Friends, and welcome to episode 284 of Potato Thumbs Podcast. I am Fluffy Fingers MD. Those are my dogs chasing each other in and out of my office. Um, you just heard some Bowie, and that is the album that we're talking about this week, uh, picked by Admiral Nips. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, let's get our our two compatriots in here, and then I'll explain why I picked this album. Is compatriots a real word? Because yes. it sounds like you just made it up. No, it's okay. not a made-up word. Okay, okay, yeah, comrade. Gotta say that again, like <laughs> later on in life. You say, <laughs> you say it, like incorrectly, like did you mean to say compatriots? Like, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so we got we have. We have our good buddy Chuck. What's up, Chuck? Hey. Hey. <laughs> and we have we have our buddy Cliff. Cliff, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Hello, everybody. Hi. Um. All right. So <laughs> let's talk about this video. I'm giving my dogs like like one more chance of shutting these damn doors. <laughs> uh yeah. So. We had talked about it, and I had been waffling over what uh, album I wanted to pick for forever. Chuck kept asking, you know, hey, what do you want? What do you want? And then the day I went to the ER uh, for my appendix, I was sitting there, and Chuck's like, hey, you got your album? And I I got the feeling that he was asking me for an album pick so that if I died, we could do an in memorandum uh, (laughs) after the surgery. So I just had to think of an album on the spot. And so I was like, well... We haven't talked about Bowie. Uh, the guy's got like 800 phases. We could probably do 20 shows on an album of a different one of his phases and stuff like that. So I just picked this one because, one, I think Young Americans is probably one of my favorite Bowie songs. And two, it was like his first album that had any success in the U.S. He'd been like, obviously now, many years later, all of his, uh, whatever that is, glam rock ziggy stardust stuff had gotten has gotten you know respect all around the world but back then it still had never really caught on on the u.s so this was his first album that actually made a a dent over here as well so i'm pretty sure that that no one knew who he was until he did the movie labyrinth right i didn't (laughs) to be honest like my only real knowledge of Bowie was the movie Labyrinth, and like I didn't. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I knew he was like I heard out there. Hey, he's a he's he's a singer. He has a band. Was it? I I I had no idea about his music, and it wasn't even until like way later. I mean, I, I probably, I'm sure I'd heard it before, but I don't know. I just never got down with the dude. I mean, I love I love that you just made my stupidity relevant. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that. I mean, <laughs> I, I think like. Yeah, that movie was in the 80s, and I was a child, and I saw it, and it was very impactful. It was like Labyrinth and Neverending Story were like two yeah, huge ones for me, yeah. yeah Jim like, Henson and the Goblin King, you know? 
dude, it's like, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, that movie's crazy, you know, like that and Never Any Story, they're both like, like fantastic, like fairy tale, like very imaginative, but also like in hindsight, kind of creepy, bro. Like, you think it was like mm-hmm. some of that shit, like, I don't know. I knew my daughter would get freaked the fuck out if she saw either of those movies, you know? <laughs> but yeah. I don't know, Bowie, so, but yeah. I know a little bit about him. The British dude in tight pants and a cod piece. Yeah, that sounds a lot like David Bowie. Uh, it was basically, yeah, it was. They, they decided they were taking me in for surgery, but I didn't actually get hooked up to the gurney yet. So I was like, well, let's put an album out. Hopefully, we'll be. I'll be around to talk about it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I mean, there is there is a chance that now that we have this knowledge of uh, Labyrinth, uh, that we might have just foregone the album and just did a movie review instead. Mm. I think I've only ever seen Labyrinth once. Oh, really? I don't really like a lot of movies from the 80s. Like, if you name all of the movies that are, like, our generation's childhood favorites, I'm like, I have no need to see that movie ever again. Princess Bride, meh. Labyrinth, meh. Never Ending Story, meh. All of the John Hughes films, meh. So, um... What about Bloodsport? That doesn't count. All the action movies from the 80s are great. Like American uh, Ninja, I think that's probably American Ninja. Commando. Commando is maybe the greatest movie ever made. Was Bloodsport in the eighties or was it nineties? Uh, probably nineties. It was. I think it was either late eighties or. I think Bloodsport was probably nineties. It's uh, what was the first one that he did? Um, Kickboxer. Yeah, that was the one that he got fired from Blood. Predator for. Bloodsport was eighty-eight. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. But yeah, so because uh, yeah, Van Damme got fired from Predator because he got one of the the movie gigs and kept like failing his stunts, so they'd fire him because insurance wouldn't cover him doing both. Pretty hilarious little story about that. I didn't know he was almost in Predator. Yeah, he while. was the Predator, like in the actual suit. Oh, really? Ah, oh, that's crazy. I mean, he wasn't because he got fired for it, but. He was also supposed to be the cake lady in Under Siege, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) All right. We should probably start talking about this album so we can get through it. Uh, Eight songs. Um, Initial thoughts before we go into the actual songs themselves. Uh, I thought I didn't really know Bowie until I listened to this album, and I was like, oh, I know this song. I know this song. I've heard this song before. I've only heard the last song. Fame? But I've heard songs from that that these songs remind me of in different eras. Like, they all kind of have their own... That they sit in like an overall like bigger picture that like along with other things that I can equate to them. That makes sense. Yeah, I heard some of these before, but I didn't know they're from the same album. <clears throat> um like with Bowie stuff, it's always just I always think of them as um like individual songs rather than like albums or like playlists and that kind of thing. Mixtapes. So I mean the reason I picked it that day was I was like reading along and they're like, yeah, this is the first album where he decided to try to do like his version of soul and 
R&B music, because uh, all of his other ones were... It's not glam rock. What the hell was the rock that... Prog like, rock. Man, it was glam like, rock. It was glam Ziggy rock, Stardust. right? The Ziggy Stardust stuff, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So this was like his first Garage album is. moving away from that, so you get, you know, yeah. Luther Vandross singing backups before he's ever actually been, you know, discovered before he has any of his own music on this one. Luther Vandross sang on this one? Yeah, he sang backup vocals on a bunch of the songs. Wow. Uh, did, a, did a decent amount of helping with the writing and stuff like that, too. But So you get a lot of that kind of stuff, a lot of horns, a lot of stuff like that. So I enjoyed that. Uh, I found this quote about Bowie talking about this album, which made me kind of laugh. He said, uh, my young American was a plas- was plastic, deliberately so, and it worked in a way. I hadn't really expected it as much as it really made me a star in America, which is the most ironic, ridiculous part of the equation. Because while my invention was more plastic than anybody else's, it's obviously had some resonance. Plastic soul for anyone who wants it. We worked really hard to make that record come alive. <laughs> so he's just basically saying he wanted to create a hit record in America, and this was how he decided to do it. That's funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah, he, rec- he recorded um a lot of it in Philly at the yeah. um at the Philly at Gamblin' Huff. Those guys who do like OGs and stuff like that. And um, he was like one of the first big white artists to record there. And I also found out he uh, played on Soul Train. Which was Soul Train was a local show in Philly that um like a dance show that was based out of the same group of people that did it's the same like music artists like session musicians and um he was the first one to play on that show so it was kind of funny first white guy to play the show sorry hmm. um so I thought that was kind of funny how he sort of like inserted himself into like Philly sound R and B um for a period of time I mean the, they had like a different culture too though right because like. England has not had the same history as the United States with like, you know, racism and music shit, you know, in that well, in the 60s and 70s. And and like black American music was like a was like a like a lot of like the Rolling Stone Beatles. Like that's where they kind of got a lot of their like sound from. Listen to like old like 50s, like black artists who couldn't get on the air in the United States because like uh, except for like Elvis Presley. Because um of like basically people didn't want to hear like black people on TV or see black music or they thought it was evil. Right. It's funny you brought that up there. Mm-hmm. I had a quote put aside too from Bowie saying I was like the most English who who came come over to America for the first time. Totally blown away by the fact that blacks in America had their own culture and it was positive and they were proud of it. <laughs> it didn't seem like black culture in Britain at the time. It was just to be in the middle of it was so just intoxicating to go to the same studio as all these great artists all these great artists, Sigma sound good period. As a musician, it was a fun period. So like he just came over to the States and had no idea what was going on. Uh, and just blown away by the way the world worked. Pretty funny. Um, I think overall impression of the album, I think it's like very well recorded and mixed again. Like that's another thing across. And and, I mean, as far as like Bowie's touch, what he like offers, as a vocalist and as a songwriter, I mean, I guess maybe it was, um, maybe it went over my head or maybe I just don't, haven't listened to it enough to appreciate it. And like where he stands in the overall scheme of things, I, I kept thinking, he's like, I was like, this guy's kind of like a, a pre like white version of Prince kind of, I guess <laughs> in a lot, in a lot of ways, like, like creatively, 
and like how he can kind of embrace like fem like a feminine side and make it cool i guess in yeah. that and that's in that same way but um i don't know i mean like the music is really good and it's really really well done and they um there's lots of elements to it there's like lots of elements to each song like there, it's not just a simple band you know it's not just guitar bass drums vocals it's like there's a lot more to it like a lot more instrumentation and it's all done really well all recorded really well and all mixed very well so yeah i like it they did a good job i didn't feel like um any of the songs would come on and i had any urge to skip anything like it all flowed very well and i put it on repeat often like while i was doing things and it would just like i don't know just it would cycle through itself so like flawlessly like you didn't even you realize. said right you didn't realize it was eight songs because it just uh it just would start over again and you catch yourself midway through and you're like oh it must have repeated somewhere along the way yep I enjoyed that oh. the uh, one of the initial uh, working titles for the album was called Shilling the Rubes as well, which is just sort <laughs> of like stealing money from people. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. It's even funnier knowing that his intent was just like make a pop song or pop album. Yeah, he's like, I didn't have any money to get out because I couldn't go back to England because I had tax problems and I didn't have the money to pay them. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I'd like to live in England because I don't like America at all as a place to live, except for maybe in New Mexico. <laughs> so, yeah, he got stuck in America because he didn't have money to pay his British taxes and uh, needed an album to get out. Interesting. And that's what I wonder this one what he was. Found in New I wonder what it was about New Mexico. Like, if it was, like, the terrain or the culture or, like... I'm Big like Latinas, bro. <laughs> Dude, maybe, maybe. I've been in Los Angeles, coping with a town that I consider to be the most repulsive, repulsive wart on the backside of humanity. I'd rather live here in Detroit than in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this was like this is not this is like mid seventies. <laughs> yeah, this is not nineties, two thousands Detroit. Like <laughs> you might might feel differently now. <laughs> hmm. Oh yeah, so. It does sound a lot like uh, Bowie, when he was writing this, he was like, I was taking like 10 to 15 minutes to write out the song. And then <laughs> folks like uh, David Sanborn, Luther Vandross helped with the incredibly, you know, the uh, the structure and the, <laughs> the lyrics and stuff like that to build it out. But for in terms of writing, he just basically waited till 2, 3 in the morning. The cocaine arrived. He got fucked up and then wrote the songs in like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, so like so he didn't do like any like the arrangements or the compositions like that was all done but he people. wrote it all uh and worked with other people to put it all together but i think he had his hand in it but he relied on them to help out a lot too yeah i think uh, the studio they were like known for all putting up these big orchestral arrangements with tons of strings and horns and stuff so like he might have written mm -hmm. he probably like wrote it out on piano and things like that and they helped translate that into um and all the different instruments would be my guess. Um, you know, like some of these songs remind me of is like, like you said, like, like those big, like, um, orchestral funk arrangements, like fucking Isaac Hayes and shit back in the day, you know, like here, let's give Isaac Hayes a mm -hmm. whole ass orchestra and let him do his thing. Kind of. So like, there's the same basic concept, you know, like they, it was very, 
produced and, and very very involved lots of moving parts you can tell like so much different instrumentation and like each of those for the most part i mean, I mean you, those are session musicians like you said and um they all just vibed out together man it's cool they did a lot of really beautiful music even the, the like his there's a lot of like that back and forth where he's, he has a lot of good backup singers in this mm-hmm. and like like it's like call and repeat kind of singing which goes really really well um <sighs> with the music it's very much like an R&B album, you know, which is different, I guess, from what he, he had been doing. Yeah. And um, and I guess it was new to like, like there were like the OJs and there were like bands like that around, but I don't know how popular they were. I mean, maybe they were popular, I'm not sure, but it might have been new to a, a wider audience back then. Uh, this type of music. Um. I don't know. I thought it was a. It was interesting because you know Bowie has got so many different periods, and this one, he looked back at fondly towards the end of his life. He's like, maybe I was a little bit hard on myself because it was pretty good, blue, white, blue-eyed soul uh, with a lot of talented <laughs> musicians. But like, immediately after releasing it, he was just like, yeah, this is plastic music, <laughs> which made me. He giggle when I re- read it because it's like, yeah, I like this stuff, and it's like, yeah, you're right, it is kind of plastic coming from you know an English guy who just came over and decided I needed a payday. He was also at a weird point in his life. This was like the mid '70s, and like I think like soon after he had like a really bad deal with his manager who he broke up with, who was like who would get like half of his money or something. Yeah, like it was a real bad, and it was for like ten years or so many records or something like that. And like right after this, he started um. He realized that the guy was like stealing all his money, so he fired him. That he had this like deal, so he had to give all his money away. So he started recording like crappy albums on purpose. Like he wouldn't write any good songs. He like held them off. And then as soon as that deal was, up, and so he had like these albums that were like kind of bad for a couple of years. Right. And then as soon as that deal was up, he released like I think like Diamond Dog, one of his hits from the early eighties that had yeah. like a ton of great songs on it. Right. And it was just he like literally waited till like the day that that deal was up. He had to give that money over, and he like released this huge album. That <laughs> That's so. So great. he was like going through some stuff, I think. Early in his career, where Plus, um, again the cocaine, so much well, cocaine. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I, I uh, there's a book I read way back in the day called "The Buddha of Suburbia," and it's uh, written by a guy who went to the same school, grew up in the same hometown as David Bowie. And there's a, like a couple of chapters in there where his character or the character that is you know him basically his fictionalized him in the book goes to visit fictionalized uh david bowie in new york and it's basically the catalyst for both his drug and sexual awakening while he's there hanging out with (laughs) fictionalized david bowie in new york and so i always get a kick out of that uh it's like how much fictionalization was happening to (laughs) that compared to like early 80s david bowie in new york doing whatever david bowie was doing at that time in his life Living, living there up. Yeah, hang out with seventies David Bowie would be one. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine. Probably pretty hard to hang with that guy. All right, so first song on the album, "Young Americans," which obviously I think is the probably the second most uh, pop famous song off the album. It's uh, the one that I like the most, but. Uh, it's got a lot of horns, so that's always what drives me in, and it's catchy, obviously. And that was the first thing I thought when I first play, played the album. Like, 
lots of saxophone in this song. <laughs> no wonder Rob likes this album. <laughs> yep, you know it. You know who else was a big fan of saxophone? Who's that? My daughter. My daughter. Oh, yeah. Huge fan. She's like, Daddy, I like that saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like any, any song, like, she's like, play the one with the saxophone. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I like that kid. Is, is, is like the horns are almost like a, like a Phil Collins Genesis vibe to it, too. I don't know. Anyways. 10 years well, before <laughs> Phil Collins. Yeah, Jones. right, right, right. That, yeah, totally, totally. Because this is 70s, right? Yeah, 75. 74, 75 when this came out. So this is, uh, I think David Sanborn is the uh, the saxophonist on this album. So, uh, which is kind of amazing in and of itself. But because he's a pretty famous, like, I don't know if maybe later on he became famous, but he was a pretty famous jazz. I didn't know who he was wise, but then I pulled him up on Google and I'm like, oh, I've definitely seen this guy before. Yeah. So he's like a cooler Kenny G. (laughs) (laughs) The bar is low. (laughs) Yeah. Well, very much a lot cooler Kenny G. Anyway. Uh, Yeah. Apparently Luther Randross was the one who uh, figured out the hook, the young American part. That was him. Who came up with that? Uh, it's dude. It's so catchy. Yeah, it's like it's so catchy. Oh. Really good pianos on this one too. Like very Elton Johnish. Kind of. Um. Anyway, I noticed like on this song, like this, there's, there's a saxophone, but it's not always in the forefront. Like it's always like the. It, in certain parts, like there's a bridge, like a breakdown, like where it does, there's like a sax solo, which is where it's like the sax is like the hero. But for the most part, like they, they do a lot with panning to this. So like they'll, they'll have the saxophone, like during that bridge solo, like it's right there in the middle, right? Like that's a hero. And they kind of like pull it off into one ear. Then it's like way in the back. Like they use the whole like audio spectrum from left to right with the stereo recording to really emphasize certain elements, but still, um, I don't know. You, you can't listen to it with one ear, but you got to have the whole like stereo experiment experience. If not, because like, you don't even hear the saxophone in some parts. Like it's like it's yeah. way, way over here in the left ear. Like if if you're not listening to like a stereo, you're not going to hear it. Like it's completely gone. But um, I like how they they use space to um keep things um relevant. Yeah, and like it's funny because after that saxophone solo, like they really cut out using it, and then they use a totally different uh, bridge, like with like hand drums and piano, is it? Uh, and then you also hear like female vocals come in later in the song too to kind of replace that background sax, and then it pops in and out, and it's interesting how they constructed that all.
President Nixon. Do you remember the bills you have to pay? Yeah, I like the, yeah, the, the background vocals are very prominent. Like a lot of these songs too, it's cool. It's definitely yeah, uh, like obviously Bowie has a very distinct voice, but he plays really well off of the background vocals throughout the whole album, really. But the song in particular, it's uh, it just sort of it's not it's not really like a call and response type thing, but it's more blended in with it, right? Yeah, I think that's like very consistent with David Bowie throughout like the whole album is his um it's like he's constantly it's not just him singing lyrics to a song. It's like a performance the whole time. Like he's very you can tell he's like very animated and very into it. It's not just him singing, delivering his his words, you know, it's like very involved. Like he's like you could tell he's like moving around and he's very like animated and he it's just yeah. a constant performance it's not it's not just recording it's a performance like while he's in there yeah it does it, like you can feel that energy towards the end too like there's a breakdown um where the background singers are singing as bowie's singing like actual lyrics to the song and they're like it's mixed really well so they kind of blend it they drift like together and apart and then it kind of like the music all cuts out and then he comes back in singing with the background chorus and then kind of freestyles his own thing. And you feel like, like that jazzy type of performance that you're talking about, Chuck, like in, in the energy towards the end of the song. It's in there. James Brown and the Apollo Theater, Planet the Apollo. Oh. And actually one of the, the uh, guitarists who became like a, his guitarist for a long time. I was trying to find the dude's name, but it's Carlos, Carlos Alomar. Alomar? Yeah. Yeah. He like, he had played with James Brown and that's why, and when Bowie found out, he was like, oh, you got to, like, you really wanted to play with him and stuff. And so he kind of, I think he kind of like gets inspired by that sort of like, like that theatrical kind of performance in his singing. Um, and you can sort of hear it really in the song. Um, and James Brown, that makes sense. 
you see that. Just cool. Yeah. I like um, but yeah, like there's a whole bunch of elements in that that song. I like, I especially like the uh, little breakdown slash bridge with the sax. That's cool. They do a lot. It's like not like it doesn't take over. It's not like a whole ass like section of the song, but it's an, it's nice. It changes up. There's lots of change up overall throughout the album. You definitely take advantage of the the bridge. Cool. Should we move on to song number two? Yeah, which is win which uh, apparently was composed during the soul <laughs> the soul tour in late 1974 he just sort of uh you know wrote this down and uh as a i don't know what he wants to say it's like a ode to winifred atwell which apparently was the first uh caribbean first black artist in britain to sell a min- million records so even though the song is about winning, it's also a hat tip to her. Which you wouldn't get from the lyrics, but reading into some of his interviews later. Huh, that's really that, cool. So. Yeah, it's um, it's lots and lots of reverb in this song. Like the whole song is um, very quote-unquote wet as they call it like lots of time-based effects reverbs and delays like the horns are like like the horns that have like this like kind of fluttery kind of sound to it you know they have to accomplish with like reverb and delay and then they pan it like while it's going so it'll like start here and it'll kind of like flutter over to this side and then come back in and come back out it's almost like um it's almost like a bird kind of like like like, like I'll think of like a like a fluttering bird kind of like yeah. traveling around like the audio space around your head while you're listening to it. It's kind of like a slower song, like almost like sleepy. But the, yeah, uh, it's a it's a really different energy from what we were just listening to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's different elements of that though, like the guitar is like has a very wet sound, like lots of reverb. We got like the wah wah pedal. There's an organ in the background. I think it's a Wurlitzer. Sounds like it's also a very wobbly kind of sounding organ. So um, yeah, it's like. I don't know. It sounds like you're falling asleep or on heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's very, very, very mellow after the energy that just popped off of Young Americans, for sure. Kind of like some of those Pink Floyd songs. Yeah. Kind of funny thinking about all of this is just sort of the, you know, the number of other bands we've mentioned to talk about things that have sounded like David Bowie today is kind of ridiculous too. It's sort of. I mean, that's that's think about it. Like in a lot of ways, that's how people describe things. You know, it's, it's like this or it's like that. You know. I mean, yeah, I think part of it too is he's got so many different uh, 
genres out there. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if it was actually on the show or if it was uh, just in our individual talk beforehand, but he had a tour in the, the 90s where Nine Inch Nails was opening up for him, too, when he switched into another genre and tried to do, like, heavier, <laughs> darker music. Nine Inch Nails was the opening act for that tour. So just to give you an idea of the uh, the switches and things that he did in his career. Kind of ridiculous. When Philly sold the Nine Inch Nails, as well. <laughs> so I can't imagine a Nine Inch Nails clip from the nineties <laughs> concert. Yeah. They were they were big, man. I mean when they were man, they were so big for a while in the nineties. I think that's when he was into what was Tantric Sex? Was that other David was that David Bowie? Was that Sting? He made that or that Sting, never mind, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah i think when is it's an interesting song for me like yeah i i don't dislike it but it's very it's very much like just be playing in the background while you're doing stuff and you can listen to it without really listening to it right yeah it doesn't quite pull you in as much yeah it's like a collage That's... of like of different like they like music. I don't know. Like all these different sounds come together, um, and nothing's very distinct. I guess, like you were saying, Chuck. It all kind of is very washy together. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah, it's um, kind of covers a broad spectrum. Like with, I mean, not even just. I mean, I, I don't know his overall works, but I mean, but this album in particular, it kind of goes all over the place. Yeah. The whole thing sounds very big, though. That's like very like they do a lot with space. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It all sounds good, right? Like you said, it's mixed really well. Um, yeah. Let's go move on to fascination. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the story behind this one's kind of amusing, but go ahead, Jeff. What's that? So when I heard this song, like, originally, like, you're immediately, like, transported to, like, that, like, that funky, like, 70s black exploitation film soundtrack, like, Superfly, Curtis Mayfield, Foxy Brown era, like, it's, mm-hmm. it's just fucking cool, man. It's, it's, you can tell, like, this is, like, nighttime music, you know what I mean? Like, like, driving, like, an old, like, Lincoln Continental through the city with, like, the light, like, the street lights reflecting off, like, a shiny paint job, you know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Man, this shit's just, it's just fucking cool, man. I, I, I like it. surprise you then to hear that uh, Luther Vandross wrote this song and titled it Funky Music is a Part of Me 
and then David Bowie rewrote the lyrics and changed the name to Fascination. But uh, <laughs> Van Ross gets a writing credit on it for funky music is a part of me being the uh, initial inspiration for it. Because well, that's what the backup singers are singing. That makes sense. <laughs> so, but yeah, like this is like it has that traditional like funky bass guitar like that very wet sounding wah-wah bass with like the like the crazy rhythm guitar in the back and then the, the lead guitar has like that wah-wah sound to it and like the background vocals man it's like a full-ass production this is like a sounds like a movie soundtrack one that it does like a a, a record dude yeah this definitely has like movie vibes to it like you could put this in a movie for sure like like you said, it has to be at night and definitely driving a car around. Fucking Foxy Brown's fucking Pangrus fine ass stepping out. <laughs> yeah. It should probably be directed by Martin Scorsese, probably. Yeah, dude, totally. <laughs> totally. It's I like this song. Like it is it is a like I really enjoy the beat on this song. Like the lyrics the lyrics almost I, I I don't even really care about what Bowie's saying in the song. I care more about the backup singers and the actual music, like on the song. Like I think that's where it's at. Dude, to be honest, like I don't listen to what Bowie's singing to any of the songs because like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, it's he's 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 an afterthought to me. I don't. I mean, I'm not. Maybe that's rude and, and kind of uh, coarse. That's like a harsh take, you know. But um, I I, I think that I'm, I'm just listening to the album like for. The other elements, I guess. I, I guess it's maybe he's not what makes this album to me. He's not my favorite part of it, I guess. Maybe, no, maybe I, I honestly don't think he's my favorite part either. I think he just sort of is the the linchpin, which like things rotate around. But there's far more mm-hmm. interesting stuff happening around his voice. He's just sort of is he? He's he the instrument. He's just one of the many instruments on the track. Yeah, yeah, more so, so than the lead. Because, like, his voice does bring, like, some sort of melody to the song, right? But you are mm-hmm. focused on it. Well, like, it's I think not- he, does a, he does a good job in singing. It's But, like, the backup singers, are, for a lot of these songs, the backup singers, like, make it. The way that they come yeah. in, you know, the way they play off them. Um, and then also just the, the music is just great. Yeah, like, I don't really care about any lyrics on this album, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not interested in, like, the necessarily. But they're great songs. Um, yeah, yeah. The song makes you think of like thick orange shag carpet. Dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In red leather jackets. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, there might be a detective involved. I don't know. Mm. Hell yeah. Alright. Uh, I like, yeah, I like it. I don't know what else to say about Fascination. I mean, I mean I, I, that's kind of like ideally what a song should do, right? Like, it should provide, like, not just music, but imagery, right? Like, mm-hmm. good music provokes imagery. And this song does that for sure. Yeah. Especially after the song, like, before it. Like, song two is so chill and, like you said, like, spacey. And like all of a sudden you're just like thrown into this like this like vibrant you know nighttime scene, right? Mm. Did you guys ever see that um what was that show on HBO? 
about the fucking the one that Black Thought accident. It's like about it's about pimps and fucking maybe it's like it's like pimps in Times Square. What the fuck is that show on HBO? You want to talk about? I don't know it. No. I don't think I know it either. What the fuck is it called? Uh, the Deuce. Is that what it's called? Yes, that is it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. This song sounds like that show. <laughs> is it a show worth watching? I don't remember. I always oh, okay. pick up a show. Yeah, I, I mean it's HBO, so probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Right. Next song on the list. Uh, I don't have much to say about this one. I sort this of... is definitely a good one to listen to with headphones on. This was the first this one that the grabbed stereo. me. That very first melody. Like when I was listening, like my first listen through, like this was the one I was like, I don't know. Because to be honest, like I started this album like at work, like I wasn't listening with intent, you know? Right. Just listening to listen to it. I was like, okay, well, we got a few weeks for this. Let me just give it a couple of goes. You know, that's what I do. Like, as soon as we figure out the album, I'll, I'll play it through like four or five times and then, like, I get an initial feel for it. But, um, first few songs didn't like, that's like, okay. I, I didn't, nothing really grabbed me. But this one was like, oh shit. Like, that initial, like, rhythm guitar. Yeah. Mixed with the, um, what sounds like a guitar, but it's the, uh, the Honer Clavinet. The um, the instrument that Stevie Wonder made famous, made by Mike Garcon, apparently. You know um, the super the uh, superstition by Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. Same instrument, Honor Clavin. It, it sounds like a guitar, but it's a keyboard. But yeah, love the guitars, love the song. It's just got a cool rhythm. The uh, vocal arrangement was super uh, complex as well. Like all of the singers had like beats they had to hit on and then ju- jump out at and then come back in on and stuff like that. So apparently it was uh, painstakingly, <laughs> as the word they used, plotted out and paper for the, each singer when they're supposed to be in and when they were supposed to be out in the song too. Well, yeah, there's like that three whole like, call and response. Yeah, yeah. There's three or four people in there singing together. We'll sing it off each other, really. Is yep. this like the slam poetry version of Bowie on this album? <laughs> like without without the how everyone's jumping in and out at different notes. Like I didn't even notice that till you said that, but it is very, very noticeable, like a minute and a half, minute forty-five in. Yeah.
This one they have like um the, the saxophone that kind of meanders around. It has like um like a chorus effect. Like it sounds like it's doubled up, but it's it's just uh, another delay effect. Like um, so there's like reverb. So there's so there's a delay which is like the like like a constant like slower stutter. And then there's reverb on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is a bunch of delays like compressed and it makes it sound like a decay like a big cavernous room kind of you know it gives it like a traditional like room sound right and the chorus is kind of like right in the middle where it's like that kind of doubles them up and kind of it takes one sound and it doubles it up and that's um i've never heard that on a horn before i guess kind of just is an interesting interesting take is it yeah. is that what makes it sound that like little bridge is that what makes that sound like kind of metallic-y and like sharp is that what you're saying? Or are you, you talking talk about, about the horn playing through the whole thing? So yeah, the horn on the on the song has a has a chorus effect on it where it sounds like it's two it's like it's like two of them side by side. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I love that like funky guitar, like that really slow kind of groove. It's very uh sexy. You know what I mean? Almost like it's a it's a slow 70s. song, but it feels like um it's got energy to it, you know? Yeah. That's the other thing. Um, yeah, this is a good one. And it's just the way that they deal with the stereo. If you listen to the headphones on, there's like different stuff in each ear, like all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice. I don't know. Here's the trip is like, every time we do these albums, we talk about them, especially like the ones that I haven't heard before. Like I never really, like I'll listen to them like at work, like with my earbuds in or whatever. But it isn't until like I play it aloud in my car that I really like can understand and appreciate the mixing of it, you know? Because I don't really, I don't listen to headphones like this, like quality sound. You know, it's just two little AirPods, you know? Like I mean, they're they're decent, but I can't listen at like a volume without completely tuning out my job. You know what I mean? Like I gotta be semi available. You know what I mean? So it's like, but once you can really like sit down and listen to it, like it, like my listening environment ideal one is in my car because it sounds good and um it was like today on my way home i was like man fuck i should have done this earlier <laughs> <laughs> yeah i dig it though i like the backup vocals like it's very very yep. produced these songs are also long too i didn't realize i looked them up like they're four, five, six minute long songs, which is unusual for a, you know, like an, just a, a regular album from like the seventies. Everything right. they want like three minutes or less just to put on the radio. Um, True. You guys eight eight songs and uh, forty minutes for the whole album. Yeah. <laughs> that song, right? That's the last one on the uh, first side too for the yeah, LP. Yeah, that, that's how they end the the first side. Yeah. <laughs> Flip it over to uh, Somebody Up There Likes Me, which amusingly is the longest song on the album. Oh, um, talking about it. Song lengths. Am I the only one that heard the song and immediately could have said they could have used this song as the uh, Roseanne theme song? <laughs> or an intro for Saturday Night Live? Yeah, Saturday Night Live <laughs> slapping <laughs> Roseanne. <laughs> Dude, like... <laughs> Yeah. And Patrick Sweeney. <laughs> Jimmy Mahalahan. 
Will Ferrell. <laughs> Norm MacDonald. Uh, 100% dude. Just yeah. very intense in this song yes. it's a good opener though like if you're flipping a record like setting the mood again right you had yeah. to get up you had to go do some work and now it's like okay i'm walking back it's yeah, a very like, 80s sax too it's like ahead of his time yeah. <laughs> dude right you know i mean yeah it's like jerry rafferty kind of sort of thing I don't know, man. I just hear this song and like I immediately see fucking Roseanne and Dan Connor at the bar. You know what I mean? Like, this <laughs> <laughs> is fucking like this. This music like defined a whole ass era. Like this is fucking fucking boomer bar rap, dude. Or boomer bar rap, boomer bar music. Um. Once again, I mean, strong uh, background vocals. They don't come in until later on, though. No, you're like at least two minutes in. The saxophone definitely feels like it's more um, center on this song, too, than Bowie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, musically, it's definitely the hero for sure. Whereas, like, more, it was like, I was like, you know, the song is more of like an ambient kind of background piece. Like, it's it's obviously, the saxophone in in general is very, brash and like present you know like it's just the nature of the instrument it's just a fucking it's very loud and distinctive so like like so in other ones it has like that kind of background kind of like ever present meandering sound whereas this one it's the fucking hero for sure yeah like they they definitely cut it back a little bit but it it has lots of moments to shine in the song or lots of upfront moments maybe is a better way to say it Mm -hmm. yeah Again, no no problems with this one. No, I feel like it's it's six minutes long, but it doesn't overstay its welcome for me ever. Mm. Like it's just it's nice to listen to, I guess is the best way to put it. I, I mean I think that with all of these, they do he does such a good job, or whoever put it together did such a good job of like keeping it changing, you know, and actually using like lots of techniques to bring music in and out and back and forth to really like keep you entertained and, and using all the different tricks to, I don't know, just, it just works well. And like entire arrangements, you know, it's like very deliberate. It's not just a bunch of dudes vibing in the studio. Like there's actual direction. You could tell there's like, okay, now we're going to emphasize the piano for a minute. Then we'll add some hand claps later on. It's like, it's like, yeah. like they're bringing it like you, you can imagine like a full-blown like conductor okay now you go now you and and that they, they take turns you know it's very it's very involved so there's a lot of people yeah it's cool 
that's a human element to it. Like yeah. this isn't this isn't somebody sitting down with a drum machine or DAW just making a beat. You know, this is like fucking human collaboration in a recording studio in a very well done manner, you know? Yeah, it's dope. Ooh, next song is Across the Universe. Mm. Um, which doesn't, for me, whenever I listen to it, it doesn't feel like it fits with this album in terms of like being a soul song, which is kind of amusing because it's not a soul song. It's a remake of a Beatles song. I was going to say, it sounds like the Beatles, dude. It sounds like Yellow, like something from Yellow Submarine. Yeah, John Lennon plays guitar on it. It, in it is album. a Beatles song. It is a Beatles song. From probably Yellow Submarine. Uh, it mm. was, let me see if I can find, Let It Be. It was off the Let okay. It Be album. Uh, okay. So, uh, Lennon hated it uh, because. Across the universe, like as in like the movie about the Beatles across the universe, like the. Yeah. The weird, exactly. like artsy. Yeah. 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 So. Lennon didn't really like the uh, version on Let It Be and worked with Bowie on it and, you know, <laughs> played guitar on it for him. Across the universe Pools of sorrow, waves of joy Hard drifting through my open mind Possessing and caressing me so crazy that that this is a beatles remix remix with him and yet the plays are so low on the album like the play count like, that's yeah. weird because it's, it's a the good beatles remake suck, dude yeah they're but like was... me i mean i didn't i didn't even fucking know it was a beatles remake until right now so <laughs> just like oh i've heard the song this is bowie okay sounds like beatles yeah so that's why, for me, like before I read any of that about it being a Beatles song or anything, like that, it just didn't fit with the album. Like it, it stuck out like a sore thumb compared to everything else. There's no backup singers on it. There's, there's no horns. It, it feels more like '60s psychedelic rock type stuff than yeah. the the R and B feel of the rest of the album. And now it, that it you read like about it, it, it's like, oh, it makes sense. But it feels like it's even mixed differently than the other ones. Like I it feels it, like I think it, I think it was recorded in New York at a different place, like after like in a different second session. Okay. Um yeah, because it so feels I think it's different. actually yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really fit. I mean it's a pretty good rendition, but um it's not an R and B song. And everything else is so mm-hmm. heavy R and B, like mm-hmm. so like like it's barely feels like a Bowie in a lot of songs. You're just like, oh, it's just like an R and B that that involved David Bowie. Um, you really only hear like the same traditional like as like guitar, bass, drums, keyboard parts. Yeah, no, I mean, and there's not, like, yeah, there's, and, not, there's not a lot to it, you know. 
No, until you guys said that, I I would have never even like it didn't catch me in all the times that I listened to this album over the past like two three weeks. I can, I can see John Lennon totally Bowie. like it's it's totally does not fit, and it's gonna bother me now till the end of time. Late at night, <laughs> with, with all their all coked out, like yeah, let's fix that. Let's fix that song, man. From Let It Be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll do it on my I, album. I'll really, we'll do it in an album right now. <laughs> I don't really got a whole lot to say about that song because I would always just skip it. Sorry. No, it's again. It just it doesn't fit with the rest of the album. It's it's a perfectly fine song, but it's not like doesn't have the same vibe as everything else. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. All right. Should we move on then? Yeah. To can you hear me? Which very much feels like it comes back into the vibe of the rest of the album. <laughs> string section. Get some strings in this one at least for once. It, it definitely has a, a slow pullback in too, right? Like it does sound familiar with the rest of the album, but it's a very mellow intro into it. He hits a lot of like different like all these songs are are they all carry a similar well, except for the last one carry a similar element but they're there's big big differences in like energy right mm. like up and down up and down you know like one and three and a lot of energy like saxophone or how much back and forth there is between singers like this is very like um, a lot of strings a lot of strings you know like real, like, like orchestral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Slow dance song. Kinda, yeah. 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 I don't know. There's something about Bowie's voice in this one that annoys me more than some of the other ones, too, because I think he's singing in a higher register than he normally does. Maybe I'm just imagining that, but like, I've always, when I'm listening to Bowie, I'm always blown away. I'm like, how does this tiny ginger fuck uh, have such a deep, like, powerful voice? And in this song, it feels like he's, like, almost whispering in his slow dance song instead of using his big, powerful voice. I mean, it builds up to using it eventually, but, for, like, for a majority of the song, it's like, I don't know. It feels almost like he's not singing to his strengths in it for me. Yeah, I think what you mean. And he's also by himself in a lot, too, singing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's more focus on his voice on this yeah. song than there has been in the previous parts of the album, for sure. He's singing higher, too. Yeah, I think I, I hear it now. <laughs> that you pointed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good, though. I mean, it's chill. I, I definitely do feel now. like I can't get slow dance out of my head now. Like I'm. This is like <laughs> seventh grade. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. Hands on hips. 
very very much like a high school so like middle school dance rocking too, back and or forth like a, or like a like wedding like puffy, puffy sleeves dude puffy sleeves it's <laughs> <laughs> funny dude oh dude mid 70s yeah. slow dance dude man So then we come to the last song on the album, and probably right. the most famous one uh, on the album. This is the one I'd heard before. Right. Fame. And you hear that intro guitar riff, and you immediately know it's Fame by David Bowie. feels iconic to me like this is just if you were asking me if you were doing like the go around the table and everyone has to name a bowie song fame is going to be one of the top you know first round picks that people go yeah. around with it i feel this like. is a song that really posted after you died yeah like get away this is the one where it's like he takes all that r&b stuff they've been doing for like 40 minutes and like makes it like a bowie song instead of like an r&b song that he's on you know what i mean yeah like how many times? Like it's very funky. Song... It's 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 yeah. got all the stuff, but it's like it's got a little bit of a different flavor to it. I feel like. How many times has this song been used in TV shows and movies over the years, dude? Like, uh-huh. it's crazy. Yeah, and this is the amusingly enough. This is written because of all of his management problems that he was having. Uh, <laughs> talking about how fame is not really a rewarding thing. And he was like, hey, I can get a seat in a restaurant. Otherwise, it's very little about, very little about it that anyone would covet. It's really not much of a deal. <laughs> so that's the whole point of this song is fame <laughs> sucks. <laughs> wow. That's, that's just what they tell us so that we feel better about ourselves. <laughs> mm. I I don't think I could be famous, dude. I would never want it. I mean, I could barely like make small talk with people at work and shit. <laughs> 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 it's like, oh, you, you pretend I'm on the phone, so I have to talk to the school in the hallway. You know? <laughs> like, Apparently, <sighs> Lennon also helped write this one in New York as well. Yeah, it uh, feels like the rest of the album. Yeah, yeah. But it was recorded after the first six. I could see John Lennon being helpful with the song. That's (laughs) on the way to being famous. Uh, I did uh, go ahead and look where you'd see it. (laughs) Featured an episode of Nip Talk. Featured an episode of Doogie Howser. Featured an Ashes Ashes episode. Ugly Betty, Guitar Hero 5, Lizzie McGuire, Rock Brand 3, Next Friday, Busting Down the Door. Doogie Howser. Baseball, the uh, 10th inning by Ken Burns in the Ken Burns documentary in the movie Rush. (laughs) So lots of times. 
lots of times. I, I agree with Chuck too. There's a that breakdown at like two and a half minutes. Dude, that's Dude. yeah, that's pretty great. know that this was a Bowie song. I totally knew the song, but no artist to actually put to it or name of songs. So at least I'm walking but, away with something, right? It's like the first time you hear like a distorted guitar too. Yeah. And like Tom feels like doing the breakdown, like they don't hear that in other parts of the album, but it still has that overall like funky sound to it. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely carries that similar energy that we were talking about earlier about riding around in the old seventies car. Oh yeah. Just, just with that, like you said, Cliff Bowie funk to it. You know, this song has more of the, um, the, you know, like the, the montage of like the girl slash or dude, like getting ready, like getting dressed, like trying on different like outfits, like put on makeup, getting all dolled mm-hmm. up and then they go head to town. But this is like the getting ready to go out song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Walking yeah. down the street, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like in preparation for the cool last night. Yeah. It definitely feels that way compared to and it's just I mean, obviously it's just a massive song, right? It was huge then, it was huge today. So everybody sort of knew it pretty quickly. It's what allowed yep. them to get out of America and go back to England. Yeah, but yeah, I guess like I just like to hear like traps. You're just like I gotta get an album to get out of here. <laughs> what's the What's the best way to make money? I know. Let's sell them something on the radio. It's like, what do I do for the living? All right, I'll make an album. I'll get me out of here. Uh, <laughs> uh, this song, was, uh, this album was cool because it had lots of imagery. And um, it was versatile. It covered very uh, lots of different styles, and um, for the era, like I mean, in terms of like like again, it's that golden era of like recording, like where equipment got better and techniques got better, and um, you tell there was a lot of production and a lot of effort put into it. Like they did a good job. I agree. I, I I'd it. like to hear a uh, uh, an instrumental version. I probably would listen to. Oh hell yeah, dude! <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing against the Bowie fans, but uh, he's not my cup of tea. But I mean, I don't know. He's. I think overall, musically, it's very good. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know shit about Bowie. Like I, I know of him, a new labyrinth, obviously, but um. 
I like definitely have never sat down and listened to albums or or even like curated a playlist or anything. So it was cool to listen to a whole bunch and gave me a different like respect and look look upon him. You know, I feel like if you grab another Bowie album, like any yeah. of his other albums, it won't sound anything like this. It'd be either, totally though. different. Yeah, so, like his stuff from the '60s that was big in England never got big here. Is the you know the stuff of you know legend now but back then it wasn't really respected and then he had a whole bunch of different uh different times later in life that had you know the occasional odd hit that popped here or there but he was uh i still remember that video (laughs) the music video he did with uh mick jagger for dancing in the streets probably one of the worst uh mtv music videos of all time so (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's worth checking out there too. That might be kind of close to this, but in a bad '80s music type of way. Awesome. Well, I I, I dig it, man. Thank you for picking a, a good album. Yes, yeah, good. I, I'm say I, I liked it more the more I listened to it. You know what I mean? Like my initial impressions didn't stick with me. You know, it wasn't like one of those things. Like I don't know, like my first listen to it I was like. Okay, but then it's like, I don't know, eventually you start to understand, like, oh, this is why this dude is very popular. You know, yeah. It's very... yeah, it was, uh, it was good that that day you made me have to pick something, because I would have waffled and thought around and tried to find something, because, like, it's not, like, my favorite album of all time, but it was something new and interesting that we hadn't talked about in a while, so I was like, well, let's get it out there. I can't go back on it anymore. <laughs> I'll have plenty of time the next couple of weeks while I'm laid up to listen to it. So you, know why, you know why I was pressuring you to do that? Because that seems to be the main driving factor with, as to why uh, these episodes are not more frequent, I think, is because it takes forever to go, oh, yeah, I got to pick an album. Two months later, we pick an album. Okay, cool, let's record. Yeah. <laughs> Three weeks out from now. So it's like... <laughs> I just like I just like listening yeah. to music talk to talk about it with you guys. I think it's cool. Yeah, I agree. You're man. next on the uh list to pick an album, so I am. I I, I don't know what I'm gonna pick yet, but I'll pick some. No, no, you don't have to pick it now. I'm just saying. Yeah. We'll we'll be bugging you though, don't worry. The clock is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it might be tonight. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about uh going back down the playlist route. Yeah. I was thinking about that too, and then like I had put it off for far too long, and I'm like, "All right, well, they're gonna gas me in about 25 minutes, so here you go. (laughs) No regrets. (laughs) Glad you made it out, bud. Ah, it's fine. Yeah. Well, you guys want to talk some video games before we part ways? Yeah, I'm down for that. I have. Nothing to report. Um, actually, no. I played once, not in this season. Go. Not in this season. Maybe like a week before the last season ended. So, towards the end of the pirate season, I played the dungeon, mm-hmm. the Leviathan one with the with all the red rooms, the red areas, the what was it called? Duality. I'm- I'm uh probably oh yeah 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 the name of it yeah I played that yeah me and Durf me and Durf played that 
um, we started it and then we ended up having to get a rando in there and yeah, it's cool. You showed me how to do that. I hadn't done that one yet, so I did that. But that's it. <laughs> I like I like duality. It's a fun so one. Got, so the season of the pirate, I played three nights maybe in total. <laughs> four nights, this no four that, nights. The season has been um they've they've come out with some cool shit. I like I like some of the things that they've been doing. The exotic mission that dropped this week was it last week? Might have been last week. Um, no, it was with with this reset. I'm sorry, it was on Tuesday. Uh, you can run it on Legend, and it's actually like hard, and there's no checkpoints, and it can take like an hour or two to run one mission. So it's like cool. something that they haven't done before. You know, it's kind of like your own mini dungeon. Cool. Is it a solo mission? So you can run it um, with friends, but it scales. So it's actually harder to run with three people than it is with one person. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's but it's like there's some a lot of it like you'll just die and then you can go back and keep fighting them and and they don't reset their health. But there's like two or three death zones where if you wipe, you restart the encounter like the um, the legendary campaign. Yeah, kind of difficulty. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Same, same level of difficulty. It's it's a lot of fun. Like I think they did a really good job with the puzzles and stuff. And I I tried to go in blind, and I really enjoyed it. So, and then this week, this week, um, to progress the actual story mission, you have to go in into the legend one. So I did the legend one. So it must have been two weeks ago that it came out, um, because I did the legend run by myself, and then um. This week you actually have to go in to progress the the cat the catalyst quest for the um new pulse rifle. The new pulse pulse rifle that broke the game. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I feel like it's maybe the APIs are no. giving them. Uh DMG put out a tweet tonight saying the bug is because of the pulse rifle, but oh, uh, really? it's deep down in the code and uh the only way to keep the game more stable because of this bug is to uh kill the apis i wonder if it's because they they have secrets tied to it and like that's what's causing problems they turned off like dim yeah yeah they turned the off option the APIs for a week at least yeah. the option was to either disable the gun and the mission or disable the apis to try to stabilize uh, the uh stabilize the servers Huh. That actually led to me sitting on the sofa and watching a bunch of TV today because <laughs> I was going to game a bunch and my dogs kind of came in the room and were looking for attention like right as the <laughs> dim went down. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to jump between characters and do with the vault. I think I'm just going to. Uh, like, you know what? Fuck the tower. I'm just going to watch the television. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like this is I just this doesn't sound like fun to me right now. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it That's might be a little funny. while before Dim comes back up. By the way, I know, dude. That tweet, the tweet was like, "It's going to be at least a week. We'll let you know when we know more." Yeah, like, like they Dim, really, yeah. they're really setting, which is smart of them because people are going to be pissed that Dim is down again. Yeah. Um, but you know, whatever. It is what it is. Eh, it's, you know, it'll be fine. 
It'll just be I, like the uh, old days, you know. <laughs> I um so I've been very sick for like a week. So I played a lot of video games while my family was here because they were going to they they flew to St. Louis and I didn't want to be the one responsible for my wife not seeing her family because I was sick and no one else was. So I stuck to my office for like four days, wore a mask when I went out into the living room and like went to go do things and then just came back and hung out in my office, slept, slept on the sofa, like kept them all healthy. But holy shit, did I game, dude? I. I have done so last last weekend when I played trials. Um. I started on Monday and I played Monday and Tuesday and I, and I so this past weekend um I've done two full resets now in trials of rank <laughs> <laughs> like I played a fucking shitload two weekends of trials and you've reset twice Yeah and and the first weekend that I played I only played Monday and Tuesday to reset so like I really I really logged some time in trials this past weekend um which means that I focused like 30 hand cannon engrams. So I, my legendary shards hit single digits multiple times. So, but whatever. I mean, find a gun you like, might as well, might as well grind for it. Right. And it was, it was fun playing with different people. I did. Oh, I did do my first ever solo flawless run but i didn't reset my card so i went in like with two wins and two losses and then proceeded to get seven wins with one loss and i'm like motherfucker <laughs> like if i, I would have just reset my card i would have just totally gone flawless like by myself solo no comms with anyone else no team and uh just didn't do it Played two games with uh, Soccer and Davis, and they both decided that uh, they were not in the mood for trials, and so we ran ran the dungeon instead because they were just going to get frustrated. And I was like, dungeon. That's fair. dungeon was fun. Running the uh, legendary thing with uh, Raider yesterday was fun. Yeah, um, yeah, that was that was cool. We put out that um, that what's your meta with with Native Raider this week. And then the three of us went into Destiny together, and we all ran the same Titan build. Yeah, and just... I listened a little bit that, that earlier today, which yeah, got me a... thinking. You got like back to back native podcast guests. I think that's cool. <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah, it was uh, it was fun. We had a lot of fun. So, uh, but I feel like just as I was starting to get pulled back into Destiny, uh. Another game came onto the scene that has pulled me away from Destiny just as quickly as I was getting my second wind because Cult of the Lamb went on sale this week. And so I bought that. And the first night I played with it, I played it. Uh, I looked up at my clock and it was 5.05 a.m. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm 40 years old. Why am I playing a video game till 5 a.m.? <laughs> so, uh I would recommend it if you like roguelike games, <laughs> roguelike hack and slashes with like has some sort of uh, we'll call it 
inventory management and like resource management to build. You have to like build up your followers and your resources to level up and get like a better character. And then you take that better character into, you know, random dungeon mode type stuff as you go out on your crusades, as they're called, uh, which is the roguelike part of it. You know, each one, each time you go in, it's a different format and stuff like that. So it is a lot of fun and I'm not very far into it and I'm not very good. So I die a lot. And then my followers, (laughs) get disappointed in me and I have to spend a whole bunch of time getting them to not all revolt and leave my cult. <laughs> that I <laughs> So it takes a lot of work for me to keep my followers happy. But uh, it is a lot of fun. I hear, uh, yeah. I've heard Miss 5000 Watts talk about this game quite a bit, so it must must be a good one. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty good. I've heard it's pretty good too. Um, it looks very funny. It is um, very funny. Yeah. Like, was, different, I like uh, element in games. Different rituals that you can do and you're like, oh, well, everybody's a little bit upset, so I guess we're gonna have a ritual sacrifice to improve everybody's mood. <laughs> Which follower is gonna be our, our volunteer, if you will? <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's cool, man. It's good to it's good to find games and take breaks, right? Yeah, well. But I have been enjoying Destiny too, so those those have been the two games basically this week. I did I did run that dungeon a bunch as well with a bunch of different people. Um I we did I did uh farm it with Andy and Technical um after we recorded with Andy, like later in the week. And uh it was funny. All three of us got our cowboy hats on our characters during that farming session like two or three runs, which is pretty lucky because the drop rates are so low. So. Cowboy hats. Yeah. Old cowboy hat. Yep. Pirates were last season. This season's all about the cowboys. Bro. <laughs> like Tex Mechanica shit. Yep. Base cowboys. Yep. A hundred percent. Hell yeah. Uh, they, and like, they came out with any, like, uh, dark tower references. Kind of feels oh. that way, but no explicit Dark Tower references, but it definitely has that vibe. When I ain't playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I've been enjoying it, though. I've been enjoying the story. Um, yeah, story's Legendary really Quest. Yeah. Dungeon's fun. Definitely worth $10. Uh, the, the server issues, though, have been fucking stupid this week. Um, I will say that, like, I played a comp game with Sweaty Spooks and we both got dropped and then he got banned from comp for a half hour because apparently when it says connecting to servers, that can also count as leaving a game, even if you don't actually leave the game. Um, I saw people posting that on Reddit and that's what happened to him. Like we we were playing, played one game, both got kicked and it said, oh, he, he he's banned. He's like, I'm going to shut off Destiny now. i um like the last time i played i think i like quit out the middle of the game i was like forget this like i rage quit i was like done like i picked it up a few weeks later and turned it on like all right let's play again i loaded it up and it was like sorry you're banned for three minutes (laughs) oh wow and i was like oh i'm like and i was like last time i turned it on to play (laughs) i was like all right well 
It was just fun. I guess the band didn't come into effect until I loaded it back in, but I thought it was pretty funny. That is pretty I was funny. Like, oh yeah, I guess I did quit at middle of the game. Yeah, I I played after that game. I played three more games of comp just to get my rose on my Titan this week, and then I was I was done with it because all three games someone else got dropped either on my team or the enemy team. Oh, and I was like, thanks. okay, I've played four games and I've been dropped, or someone else has been dropped all four games. Like time to is play it- PVE. But even running the dungeon, like we were running the dungeon, and people would just get randomly kicked out, like. Is there a new rank system? Is that in there nope. yet or not yet? Yep, it's in there. Is yep. it in is there. it like work okay or really? Yeah. I mean it's it's not very straightforward, but it makes sense. Like you get points okay. based on how well you do and how hard your opponents were. And then you okay. climb up, okay. you get to when you get to the next level, there's like a promotional series and you have to win two of your next three games. Uh, okay. Ooh. But the cool tough. thing oh, yeah. is the hand cannon that drops. Um, and you can get it on all three characters once a week, so you can get three rolls once a week. Um, all the perks are good, so but yeah. like they all make sense for PvP. So the chances that you're going to get a bad roll are pretty low. Cool, one forty hand cannon, one forty, but it's the only lightweight one forty in the game, so it has all the benefits oh. of uh one eighty. It with movement and ready speed, but it shoots at a 140 pace. I always yeah. like the lightweight of all the of all the guns. Lightweight ones always felt better to play with. Um, yeah, well, they ready they ready quicker and they make you faster. And you like run a little faster. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hmm, interesting. So it is. It's a cool gun. I, I still like the trials one better, but I think they're in different slots. So I, I think it's worth at least picking up a roll or two. I get back into it. I haven't played in a while. Um, the only new game I played recently was Home Life. Oh, was what? You cut the, out a little. Oh, the only um, game I played recently was Home Life, which is from um, the the Rick and Morty developer writer. Oh, nice! It's like game studio, and it's just like kind of a dumb kind of Doom game, but with a lot of jokes. Like your guns talk to you. Like the one gun sounds just like Morty from Rick and Morty. Dude, I heard about that shit. I saw like a video about it. That shit's crazy. It's like basically just a it's, whole like it's a meme. The whole, the yeah, whole it's game. very funny. Like it's just a lot of dumb jokes over it. Um, and then it's kind of a, it's not a bad game. It's kind of fun to play it, but it's nothing fancy. It's like a mm-hmm. basic little Doom or shooter kind of thing. Um, the best characters you have a knife that loves stabbing people, and he gets really excited when you stab somebody with him. So, <laughs> yeah, like, like each each weapon is is like a, a character that's alive that like speaks to you and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's something about I guess if you use different guns in different areas, you can get like different kind of outcomes or something. Like huh. I haven't got that far into it uh, or that deep into it, I guess. But it's pretty fun. It's just like kind of a dumb fun game to play. Um, it's on Game Pass too, so I would definitely recommend checking it out if you have that. Oh, that's cool. Um. I don't know how much it, it can't possibly be like a fifty dollar game, but um, it is. Yeah, it is sixty bucks. Oh well. Anyway, it's still pretty fun. Yeah, well, if but, it's uh, on Game Pass. All of you that have that, definitely jump on it. That's cool. I've not been playing anything else. I've been watched a lot of TV this week. A lot of stuff came out to uh, binge. Um, anything that worth worth suggesting or talking about? 
I mean, I was mildly disappointed in Witcher Blood Origin. Um, you know, I'm a sucker for the Witcher universe, so I wanted to like it very much, but I didn't really get into it. I've seen other people who really did like it, so oh, that's good cool. on them. Um, but for me, it would just it like introduced two characters that probably will matter in the actual series um, later on. And beyond that, a sort of just sort of a, a story that had the Witcher name on it for me, not necessarily a Witcher. Didn't really have that Witcher theme to it to me. So sure, what was the um, the second season of The Witcher? I liked it. Um, it went a way a ways away from the books, but in a way that sets up the third season to be still very. Uh, set up with the books so and obviously if you don't read the books then you can enjoy it for what it is uh but i think that some of the some of the stories went a little bit far further away from what i would have liked but in the same time it had sort of the same feeling as a witcher series so i enjoyed it a lot that way and i think it sets up for an interesting next season which is yeah see like i, I like the first season i watched it the second season came out, I think I watched like one or two episodes and just like everything else and that I start watching, I just fall off, you know, like I just, just stop watching and not for any particular reason with the show. I just don't watch enough of anything really. Um, like it took us like six months to finish Ozark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never actually finished it. I watched the first two and a half seasons and never made it through the end of season three. Fucking good, man. I've heard yeah. it. I mean, I loved the first season, and the second season was okay. And the third season felt pretty good when I was watching it. I just things came up, and I never went back to it. Yeah, they they, they did a good job of continuing the craziness of that whole storyline and all the uh, seasons. Spoiler that they... alert: There is a Killer Mike cameo. No, that's pretty cool. I like it. Um, I, I may or may not have binged the entire third season of Jack Ryan on the sofa today when Dim went down. That's fair. It was very much what you would expect from that type of TV show. You know? Yeah. CIA espionage. Mm. Shit. Yeah. Sneakies. Yep. Watched all of the new season of Letterkenny uh, the other day. Oh, yeah. I started watching that. I have not watched it all yet. But I started watching that with the misses. It was um, fine. I feel like they really like I'm only two episodes in. I think only two. Um, I feel like they're like over over acting all of their characters. Like I feel like they're like really leaning into their personalities in the season. Yeah, they're just doing all the bits they can. It feels like yeah. there's no actual real plot. It's just sort of the bits uh, and the stuff that made it. Which is fine. I still laughed a lot during it. It's just not. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not as good as it was originally. They're, they're just <laughs> getting their paychecks, it feels like, and making me laugh from time to time. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to ro- watch the rest of it, but, like, it just I was like, man, they're really, like, they're really, like, all, like, no breaks. Like, just really lean into all the characters they've built. Because they only have, what, one more season? Or was this the final one? I think they have one more. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was twelve that they were gonna do. Yeah. 
it on 12 oh. seasons or 11 seasons? They're, they're yeah. done 11 seasons, yeah. Wow, it's amazing. Yep. His Dark Materials is releasing new two new episodes each week. I've been enjoying that season. It's very good. Um, and while I was playing video games, uh, Karina started binging Emily in Paris and watched all three seasons of that this week. Uh, I did not think it was a very good show. Uh, I think it's by <laughs> the guy who did uh, Sex in the City. But I enjoy playing the game uh, that may have ruined it for Karina while she was watching it. Of Every time the main actress uh, has a scene where she's about to talk and stunned and her mouth is uh, set open, you just be like, and there's a fly in her mouth. <laughs> uh, you know. And after about... 10 minutes of me doing that nonstop because apparently every time she goes to start, she has an awkward pause with her mouth open before she starts talking. Uh, so somebody, me, got thrown out of the living room and told to go do something else for a while. <laughs> At least you weren't in your own house. <laughs> <laughs> it's our house now. <laughs> she oh has boy. just as much right to throw me out of the living room as I do her. <laughs> so, uh, I thought that uh, um, that maybe the David Bowie pick was Karina's pick. No, Did we talk about that maybe being a thing. Yeah, we talked about about that potentially happening at some point. She, uh, we gave her that opportunity to look at it, and she, I think she panicked with, uh, she's like, man, I would like this album, but I don't know if anybody else would like it, and mm. she, she was very worried about. Uh, giving us something that everyone would hate. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, don't sweat it too much. So what we'll need to do is have her, you know, actually be on when she picks an album so that if we hate it, we can give her grief about hating it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was only fair yeah. since, you know, every time we have somebody do a guest album, we have to be like, get them on to talk with us about it. We can yep. give them grief because about, yeah. I haven't hated anything, anything we've, we've picked. I don't think we've hated anything. No. No, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I would say Zan's album was, I didn't dislike it, but it was not everybody's cup of tea. And I think Ben also did one with us that was a bit more, uh, let's say indie rock than uh, we are used to as a group. (laughs) We're just not artsy enough. We're not an artsy group. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I forgot about those. Damn, we've been doing this a while, huh? Was yeah, last, we was have. It, what was the first music episode we did? Like how long uh, was that? Danger Doom. No, oh. uh, I, I, so that was. I mean, that was like my first week when I was at the linen company. So that was like, I want to say February 2019. Oh, I can um, tell you. All right, yeah. Uh, ju- July. July 2019? 2019? Yep. Wow. Really? Oh, no. No, I'm sorry. That must have been the second or third album. Was, I thought you did, like, Atmosphere yeah. or something like that. No, it, no, was, uh, it was Danger, it was it was a... Danger Doom, then Leonard Skinner, and then Dom Life. I thought, uh, at, at what point oh, did yeah, you do the, right. the Eli and Gift the Gab albums? I thought that was, was that not the first one. <clears> that was one? August. Third, yeah. It was August. So, yeah. So, I added all four albums to the playlist on July 9th. 
So we did four albums by July 9th. So you're probably right, Chuck, on your timeline. Because then it was August, August when I added Eli, and then November. And then I think we stopped adding songs. See, the last album to go on here was the Misfits one. Yeah, it's been uh, a while. <laughs> the Misfits killed another thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, oh, it's so funny how much more I look for that logo now everywhere. <laughs> Just not not with the same connotation that I've had with it. It's funny. Uh, you ever watch anything else? No. Oh, um, um, what did I watch? Bullet Train. Watch Bullet Train. Um, that's all that I recently. Was, yeah, I was very surprised. Yeah, like, it was I, pretty good. I kind yeah. of was. Um, uh, I don't know. It felt like a Guy Ritchie kind of sort of thing, but like yeah, it was a little a different Brad Pitt. Like I yeah. liked his character. He almost like a Johnny Depp version of Brad Pitt, right? Like with the bad luck and the casualness yeah. to it. And just like the, I don't want to be a hitman, hitman yeah. attitude. Yeah. Um, it was pretty funny, that, that movie. I mean, it was like ridiculous in many ways, but. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. But it worked. Yeah. All, all the characters were good, though, I think. But. Yeah. Uh, the only, you know, what I started watching today, it's the second season, but have you guys seen Alice in Borderland at all on Netflix? Yeah. It's like a Japanese series. Um, it's just about these guys who get teleported into like a real life game and like a empty Tokyo. There's a bunch of people living there. They have to like every so often participate in games um, or else they get killed basically by some like laser from the sky. And then um, and the games are like to death or something like that. But there's there's a whole like. Um, like there's that, but the story is really about it tells their backstory before they kind of get pulled into the game and then like kind of how they enter find other people and survive in the game kind of thing um and then uh it was the first season was really good really enjoyed it the second season just came out like the other day so i started watching it seems like it's going to be fun um but it's worth checking out if it's like you know it's in japanese you have like subtitles or or dubbing or something but um but it's definitely like better than i thought it's gonna be it's based on a manga i think some some kind of manga or something but um hmm it's it, it. I thought it was gonna be when I first started watching it. Thought it was gonna be pretty dumb, but after a couple episodes, I'll, it was like more than I. I thought it would just be like a serial, like just watch people get like killed kind of show. But it actually is pretty good. Um. So anyway, but that's about all I've been watching, I guess. Um. Oh, that and also, you know what else I like, but I don't. I I I don't know if anyone else is gonna like it. Is the new Willow show on Disney? Oh yeah. Um, I, like bro. I can totally see people like hating that because I love that movie and the show um, just from when I was a kid and the show it, it feels like a very like high budget like WB st- you ever watch like WB shows like The Flash or Green mm-hmm. Arrow yeah. it's like that but like a higher budget version so it like doesn't take itself seriously it's very like kind of silly tongue in cheek yeah. um, with like the plots okay but um, but it's just kind of funny I don't and they kind of know that it's a dumb show, like all the actors. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know, but but I could I could see someone like rubbing something. Like if you're looking for like Lord of the Rings, it's not Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah, 
I'm sure I'm sure we'll oh. watch it in my household because my wife loves everything 80s. OK, yeah. Yeah, yeah I used to watch Willow quite a bit, too. They have a lot of the same actors. They brought them back. They play their same characters like 30 years later. Really? Um, no Val Kilmer yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think, I don't that's think he's going to show up. I don't think no, that's going to happen. No, no, that's not happening. But uh, the guy who played Willow is still plays Willow still. Um, I forget his name. And then the woman who played the um, the um, like the female lead in the movie way back when is still she's now the queen kind of in the in the show. Um, I'd have to watch that movie again, man. I don't even I don't even remember uh, what's his name. I forget they he's like a famous actor too. The the guy who played Willow. He played R two D two. Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis. Yeah, yes, that's the guy. Yeah, that's Ooh, wild, uh, man. Um, I remember he's that movie crazy. <laughs> like they'll have this show, and then he'll give this like thirty second long spiel that's like as if he's reading something out of like a Tolkien book. He's like the Black Moors of this or that, where the orcs did lay, you know. And everyone's just like, look at him like, what? And then they just go back to the show. <laughs> um, but he'll like read these. And it's like, he, it's almost like bad acting, but I feel like he's doing it on purpose. But he like, like says these things. Um, well, the best thing he's ever been in is the life's too short with Liam Neeson. Where Liam Neeson talks about how the only reason he uh, got the job as Oscar Schindler is because he likes to make lists. <laughs> so life's too short, <laughs> Liam Neeson, and you will enjoy it incredibly. Check that out. Okay. <laughs> cool. Well, should we call it then? Add some music and move on with the evening. Oh, music! Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Not ready. I, I got to pull up my notes too. I was prepared last week. I don't think I have anything this week. I do not. Um, so we got some from Ben, I'm assuming we do. Yes. What do we got? Chasing ghosts, ghosts by calling all captains. Got it. Who wants to go next? I can go last time. Um, off that. So, since Rob had us listen to a bunch of B recorded in Philly, I was listening to other stuff from Philly. And um, I'm going to throw in um, uh, Teddy Pendergrass, uh, Love Ooh. TKO. So, he, it was either him or like Harold Melvin or one of the OJ songs. I'm just kind of trying to decide. Um, Oh, do you want the re-recorded, remastered, or the original? I guess remastered? Is it? I don't know. Maybe the original, I guess. Okay. I don't know. I'll go with the original. If you, you, can, you can listen. If you change your mind, let me know. Yeah. Chuck, you want me to go, or you want to go? You go. Um, let's do POS and Mike Michelin get down. Um, trying to find out what song I put on last. Oh, I already have. Oh, no, I, 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 I already have okay. that. Yeah, you just put it on a couple of weeks ago, I think. Yep, I did. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chuck. 
Um, so yeah, the song I was going to put, I put on last time. So I don't know. Return to the wrong side is the last yeah. one you put on. Um, yeah, because I was right after Team One died. So I was going to do that. Um, okay. Also in, also in, uh, honor of music from Philadelphia. Um, Mr. Green down in the streets, which is a song featuring Malik B from the roots. Got it. I kind of went down a little, went on a little roots kick today and Malik B is a shit, man. I do so dope. RIP. Um... I'll go with um, we're going to go Hold Mine by Printmatic. This is like an old school Greg rap backpack song featuring Slug, uh, Aesop Rock, Idea, and Blueprint. Blueprint. Shout out Super Duty Tough Work. It's a dope podcast. If you or a artist or a musician or do anything creative, you should listen to Super Duty Tough Work. Yeah, we talked about that on the MF Doom uh, podcast. They had, they had a really great show about MF Doom. They're fucking dope. Yeah. Good dudes. Cool. So that puts us at three hours and 24 minutes, 56 songs on the day four playlist. Uh, all the playlist links are in the show notes. I didn't uh, except even have we... a joke about Eiffel 65 this week and you still I skipped know, over he's... me. He's... Oh, yeah, you get to choose, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you should do that before I continue. So now on. I think we need to put my console by Eiffel 65 uh... on the <laughs> I'm just kidding. You... Uh... Put People Say by Portugal the Man on for me. Ooh. I don't know it by name, but I probably know this song. Two minutes, 59 seconds added, my friend. Um, Yeah, sorry. I won't I won't put the playlist links on this show notes because we did a music episode, try and make it all about the artist, but in the future, non-music episodes, if you want to listen to any of those playlists, the links are in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey. Do we have relevant questions? I like I always feel bad. Uh no, they're for Andy Man. Okay. We definitely forgot about them last week because we're the world's yep. worst podcast hosts. Uh, Davis and Helios, we really appreciate you asking questions and please ask questions in the future. We do enjoy asking them. Um, sometimes we just get carried away and forget to check, even though it's in the show notes multiple times. Okay. <laughs> professionals. We are fucking professionals, guys. 284 episodes into this, we still forget to check the questions weekly. <laughs> but we appreciate you guys, and please keep doing the thing. Keep them coming. Um, keep keep them, them coming. coming. We'll get it one day, one of these days. Questions. Their questions suck. They can't answer. They can't ask questions. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
cool beans. Well, thank you. Thank you guys. And Rob, great job. Glad you guys uh, enjoyed it. Uh, Hopefully you'll hear another music episode from us sooner rather than later. As Chuck creates his playlist of greatness. It might not be a place. I don't know. I got some ideas kicking around. I will let you know by the, in one week, it's time. Let you know next year. (laughs) Hey, got (laughs) him.